0: What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist, and a designer, and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Melanie Eddy. So Melanie uh, you're a fellow Bermudian that I came across on Instagram and I was like oh someone doing interesting things. You're based in the UK and uh, this is just for me it's just always incredible to not only get to connect with creatives but when I find out they're from Bermuda it's just like So dope to me. So Melanie, what is it that you do?
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of a complicated question, but I will start with the (laughs) core of my practice, um, which is jewelry. So at the heart of everything that I do is my jewelry practice. So that is me designing and making uh, fine jewelry.
0: So, um,
1: and the jewelry I make is kind of very sculptural and geometric. Um, and, but like, but around that, I do a lot of like wider work in the jewelry industry. So I teach, um, at a higher education level. So I teach, um, on an MA design at Central St. Martin's here in the UK. And I've also done some other industry related, like work around sector development and other kinds of initiatives. Yeah. And like, like basically initiatives around progressing like jewelry and craft.
0: So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I I saw you kind of, you describe yourself as also an academic in in that sense. So, um, yeah. So, and you're based in London, you know?
1: Well, my workshop, so my studio is based in London and I lived in London for a very long time, um, basically since I moved to the UK. So I was in London from 2004 up until like, February last year and then my fiance and I moved we moved to a small village in Hertfordshire because uh, basically where we were living which was a really cool like ex-commercial property and was great for like two of us because we're both creatives Um, but it was part of like a redevelopment scheme in that area of London where we were living so it was sold to be turned into like a bunch of flats basically so uh, yeah we had to move out and we decided to to move further out so that we could have a bit more space. Um, So yeah, and I, but I still come into London. I'm speaking to you from London today because that's where my studio, my jewelry studio is based. Um, And I also work in London in terms of the college work that I do. So Central St. Martin's is based not that far from here um, in King's Cross. And I'm in minute.
0: Okay. So it's it's so wild that, um, you know, we're all going through this pandemic stuff at the same time, but like depending on where you are, you're having a different time with it. So how how are you um, experiencing it over there?
1: Well, it's been pretty intense in the UK in particular being like in London or close to London. Um, So, you know, because it was quite like in terms of the severity of it, it was quite intense, like in bigger cities. So the first lockdown was pretty tough because like we literally had moved like a few weeks before. <laughs> so wow. it was like really intense um, and we were like in a new place and then it was lockdown, and it all happened so fast that um, and because we were moving or we had just moved like I couldn't really like get like, for example, organized to get elements of what I used to work like into our house, like with everything else going on. So I kind of it was tough because it was the first time in a long time that I was basically away from the studio because like they shut down this building that I'm in for like two months, which was great, you know, obviously understandable and was needed at the time because we went into a like pretty strict lockdown and they were trying to avoid as many people as possible traveling into work. Right. But it, that was just really, yeah, it just kind of spun me out a bit because <laughs> I'm not used to not having access. To the making, um, obviously, I was I took as much as I could to help me with like the design work and all this other stuff, um, and being able to you know think about cre- like creating pieces like 2D like on paper, but not being able to make for that length of time was was pretty crazy. And then things opened up like for those of us who had access to like essentially manufacture. So we we got to open up relatively early compared to other elements, but It was still quite hard because elements of the industry weren't open and like it was a bit weird and um and then but we then we've had subsequent lockdowns so we've had like two other lockdown periods since that time and i've been able to work throughout it but like at a reduced kind of amount and for me i was about to go to bermuda like i had to cancel my trip home like the day before i was leaving which was mid-march and we went into lockdown four days later So I didn't see my family for like a year. It was, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was pretty um, intense. But I think one of the things that's come out of it that's been good is that the extra time kind of, or the enforced slowing down to some extent kind of helped me to really reframe like where I want to focus my, you know, going forward and reframing also like, work-life balance and giving myself space and time and not like kind of being at full tilts, like fast paced all the time. I mean, it's it's been fast trying to catch up on stuff sometimes, but like since like when we have been able to get in, but it's made me rethink about, yeah, how I drive myself forward and how I drive my practice forward and where I focus my time and my energy on. So right. that's kind of been a positive aspect, of it, I guess.
0: Right how did it impact your teaching
1: yeah that that was crazy because we had to really quickly figure out how to uh shift uh you know the way we, and it's difficult because we're teaching like a 3d uh subject right so yeah. um and actually i've only been into college once since like last march which is nuts because normally i would be in like at least once a week, maybe the odd week I wouldn't be in if I was doing, wasn't doing was doing like, you know, kind of face-to-face stuff. But yeah, I've only been in one time to like physically kind of see the students work. The rest of it has all been um, online and obviously working with a variety of different platforms. Students have been like photographing and documenting and videoing elements of their work. And that's how we've been, um, you know, how we've been working with the students to progress their projects um and obviously also all the marking and assessments online now so it's like yeah it's a really different way of yeah. of doing that type of teaching that i would right. never have thought of like as somebody teaching something that's a 3d object like a design <laughs> yeah you know?
0: yeah yeah that's that's uh that's something else so do the students get any sort of access to manufacturing or are you actually yeah, on I mean, oh
1: yeah. off and on at times they've been able to get back into the studio and get back into college to do like the actual making okay so they had some time uh last term so like they had time they come in um between like sometime i think october to december and then it was closed for a bit and then it reopened like early march and they've been able to be in but basically because of social distancing and everything, we've been prioritizing the students having access and the students being able to be in the workshops. So that's why we've continued with the teaching remotely so that they can get in and then they can work on, you know, they have access to the equipment that the university has to offer. So we've been prioritizing their, you know, their access versus our access.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So wow. (laughs) What a time. Yeah. So Central St. Martin's that's a pretty prestigious school. How did you get their attention?
1: Well, I actually went I actually went there so I did ah. um, I did an MA there. Oh, a long time ago I now. I think 12 or 13 years ago. Um but that was that was also tricky because you know when I first came over here I came to do some kind of professional development. I didn't necessarily know I was going to go back into education. Um, I had come from, like, I, I kind of came to jewelry kind of a circuitous route, which I can come back to explaining. But yeah. essentially, I was working for a jewelry company in Bermuda. I had worked for two different jewelry companies, in Bermuda. Ended up coming out here and um, initially just for like a short period of time, just to get some, you know, experience and also get some kind of skills, skills based training. Um, and then ended up kind of staying on. And then, um, I got the opportunity to do a two month program, uh, which was designed for people kind of going back, coming, going from industry back into like higher education for design and for like art. Mm-hmm. And so basically I had this two month program at the Royal College of Art. Um, and basically they had the option between one month and a year, but I could only afford <laughs> two months to be there. Right. And actually I got, um some support from the Bermuda Arts Council and they gave me a grant towards covering you know my fees for that and then after that I was kind of encouraged to think about applying to a higher you know applying to do a master's Um, so that's what I did and then established my practice and then I was working in a number of areas as I mentioned I do lots of wider industry work So I was working in a number of areas like in jewelry and that's when I was invited to come back um, to do some teaching. I had been doing teaching um, on a more like smaller scale project based like courses or kind of like, you know, smaller programs um, for a bit longer. So that's that I've been doing that for about 13 years. And then I guess like a couple of years into that, um, and I had done some work abroad as well, some teaching work abroad, um, through the British council. And then, so when I came back from that, that's when I was kind of asked initially to do some like coming in for specific projects mm-hmm. and then eventually became like a kind of integrated kind of staff member, I guess you would say, um, on the, on the course. But that being said, I'm, I'm still like essentially an associate lecturer. so. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm. not like a, as you would, like a, like a tenure professor, as it were. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. I
1: come in, I come in, um, but I've been involved now in terms of like all the marking, all the assessments. You know, I work with the students, both the first year MA students and the second year MA students now. So I'm pretty integrated into the system, you know, into the system and there in terms of like the students having Access to me, and I'm engaged with them. Yeah,
0: Mm. yeah. So, is it uh, like inspirational working with students? Because I I always I've been talking about this a lot. I'm somewhat interested in getting involved in teaching, and I just like I'm curious.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really, it's really rewarding work, first of all. But also, it just makes you when you teach. It makes you you have to. It makes you think about things differently. Because the minute you have to, like, A, explain different elements of, of processes or way to do things or approaches to things, it makes you stop and think about the way you're doing things. So it's really, like, reflective. It's a really a reflective aspect of, of a practice. Yeah. But also, for me, I really like the diagnostic element. And that's what's been great about working with, like, postgraduate students is because they're at a certain point where And they're working on a very specific, like usually they come to us and they're working on some research project or some element of their practice that they're really wanting to push. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of diagnostic work working with them to help them realize that. And that's the thing that's really cool because you really get to dig into like the context around what they're doing, why they're doing it, kind of their aims and objectives with the, the work, like what they want that work to do, where they want that work to take them. And that's really interesting to be able to like, in a way, be invited to engage with someone else's practice as they craft like elements of it. I think that's a a real privilege for me, I think. Um, Mm. But I've also enjoyed just teaching like kind of, you know, more in the community kind of side of things where people have come in to discover elements of jewelry or jewelry design. And that's really cool, too, because I've kind of had people that I've engaged with at the very beginning of their kind of kind of tackling that kind of subject or where they want to do and then seeing them go on and do something really awesome later on. So it's kind of nice to be involved earlier on as well. I guess it depends on what really kind of uh, you find interesting or exciting or engaging.
0: Right. Right. Cool. But so, so you're
1: thinking about doing some teaching, you're saying.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and and yeah. I think if if I data it would probably be at the similar at a similar level, like, um, at the university level at some yeah. point, I think. But at the same time, I'm not sure. The only reason is because, like, I, um, yeah, I think I'd be excited to to just be around that energy of. Maybe
1: you should talk to the graphics design department at CSM, they had um, a really awesome lady who did like a a secondment or like a teaching residency. She was from the US and she came over uh, and was like kind of with the graphic design department for, I can't remember how long she was over there for. Um, And now she's back teaching. I can't remember if she's at Parsons or RISD. I'm not sure which one she's at, but she's gone back now to the US to like a different post. But um, now with everything being, accessible remotely we've been having some really awesome lectures on my 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 wider department so the wider department that my course comes under is the Product ceramic and industrial design department Mm -hmm. and we've had some really awesome lectures as part of our uh, design transformation series where we've had other people come in and talk about their practices um, from all over the world like from we had someone from san francisco i think last week I've done a lecture we've had people from you know kind of different parts of Europe and Asia so yeah maybe cool. I should put you in touch with my, <laughs> with All my right. mom to see if you want to do a t- test the waters with a with a small lecture <laughs>
0: wow now you got me scared Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh well thank you for that um <laughs> Uh, so did you always know you wanted to to get into jewelry as a even as a kid?
1: You know, it's funny. I didn't like I was always excited about jewelry and I was always interested in jewelry. And, I, and but I didn't necessarily know about it being feasible for me to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't I didn't have that connection. I think that came later because I didn't, you know, I didn't really know people who did jewelry. Like, I mean, outside of like, you know, knowing, seeing like relatives have pieces of jewelry or like knowing yeah. people to store, you know, Bermuda, it's like, there's lots of things about Bermuda and Bermuda quite cosmopolitan, but we also don't have access to like, you know, big museums of like applied arts and stuff like right. that, right? So, um, so I kind of made a bit of jewelry like at high school, but it was like, I had done some stained glass so I kind of like use the stained glass method to make some pieces of jewelry, like as part of my art <laughs> stuff. Cool. And, um, and I, and I had a teacher who actually, she, she I'm, I think she was, she's either Bermudian or she was Canadian married to a Bermudian. I don't remember exactly, but she studied, um she studied art in Canada and she had done a bit of jewelry when she was like way before when she did her like undergrad. And so she had been like, helping me with elements of that like you know she was a really awesome art teacher so she helped me with aspects of that and then my mom one summer I was like basically home and my mom was keeping me busy with all kinds of errands (laughs) you know as parents do
0: yes and she
1: sent me to pick up some jewelry for her that had been like repaired or something at local jewelers And um, there was a massive line and I was sitting you know, I was waiting and I was like, they had some really cool things on display. So I was kind of investigating elements of that as I was waiting and I asked some questions and I didn't know that the guy who asked questions was like the owner, Hmm. Uh, he was a black comedian uh, jeweler. And there weren't at that time too many like black, black comedian jewelers. Mm-hmm. and he was like oh you seem like you're quite interested and I was like yeah blah blah, blah. <laughs> you know and I was like I made some jewelry at school
0: <laughs>
1: All right. and I kind of like he was like oh okay well you should bring it in and show me and I kind of took it into him and he was like did you want to come in on like a Saturday to find out a bit more about you know what we do here and I was like sure and that summer I was actually working as well for Um, the Masterworks Foundation, which is an art foundation in Bermuda. And they hadn't set up like their new, where they have this new big, like kind of purpose-built, like kind of special facility, but they were like kind of still like kind of developing and evolving. And I was helping them with some work they were doing in terms of like um, researching some of the art that they had acquired and some of the artists that had come and done work in Bermuda. So I had this kind of summer of like really being immersed in like art and jewelry, and I thought about going into fine art um, when it came to like university. But then I wasn't really sure about that. I didn't really know about becoming an artist. I didn't have the confidence. Um, I also wasn't sure about if I could make a living. <laughs> you know, so yeah.
0: Um,
1: so I went. I went. I went to university. And I studied like liberal arts. I didn't. I didn't do um, fine art. But the whole time I was at university, I was kind of coming back and making jewelry and working for this jewelry um, business, like summers, Easter break, Christmas. You know, you name it. Mm. Um, and towards the end of that time, doing my degree, I was like, actually, I really want to go back and do jewelry. And so, I finished my degree and then literally went back. Uh, and and started working in jewelry like kind of full-time initially with that business which was called the gem seller in Bermuda and then I went to work at Christens which is like a much bigger jewelry Mm -hmm. kind of firm I they couldn't really support me full-time at the smaller one um like long-term so I kind of went to see where I could work and I ended up uh, accepting this position at Christens and then from there coming over here you know it was like So many different things that happened that ended up kind of, I guess, I like to say in a way that like jewelry kind of found me like I kind of didn't seek it out, but it kind Mm. of like kept coming at me until finally I was like sold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I I feel the same way about graphic design for me. I I didn't really know what it was, but there were so many different moments in life where I was like, hey, I, I was actually doing graphic design for a long time, didn't even know it.
1: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? With like you're out realizing it. Like you have this little thread of creativity that's running and yeah. you kind of ignore it until it just like keeps, keeps, keeps coming back. And then you can't, you have to face it. You can't you can't really push away anymore. I think. Well, that's was my experience. And I, I've spoken to other people that are in kind of have artistic practices or in a creative area, and a lot of them have similar kind of stories about how they got into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So did you find it was challenging establishing yourself in like a big city like London?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. From, I guess it was because, I mean, I had spent some time away from Bermuda cause I went to school in Canada. So that kind of helped to mm, some extent okay. being a little bit braver about being away from home. Yeah. So that was a start, but then I wasn't really in like a big, big city like there, but, um, but, and I guess at first, like, I was quite nervous when I first came here. Like, I didn't, my brother was over here, but he wasn't over here at the time that I came. Like, he, for some reason, wasn't, you know, in town. So, I, when I came, I really didn't know anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I ended up taking, a a, a like, a, a flat share, which is, like, you know, people here, a lot of the times they share their apartment with, like, other individuals because it's quite expensive. And I took over. um the flat like a room in an apartment um with somebody who I had known from college in Canada but she was over here like studying law but she was like away for like a year or something like that so mm. um I ended up taking her um kind of taking her space like taking her space from her so I didn't really I didn't really know anybody but I knew she she obviously knew the people she was living with so I was hoping that they were fine <laughs> <Right. laughs> um and yeah I kind of just went went from there got to meet people got involved like um met some people I was doing these kind of courses and these training uh in jewelry and through that I met some other people that were doing jewelry or interested in jewelry and then kind of went from there I guess you could say Mm. yeah
0: cool just yeah just like building it up over time
1: yeah and I and I I did some um Like I sought out like what we call work experience or like kind of volunteering, like within certain businesses. So like I did some of that, like I worked at um, uh, Applied Arts Gallery here, like voluntarily. And then that taught me a bit about the scene here in terms of like um, kind of craft and kind of applied art. And that's how I got to find out about other jewelers that were working in the UK. And, you know, kind of like step by step, kind of one connection led to another connection, led to another connection. I ended up getting a part time job doing some editorial work for a a magazine that was part of a jewelry association. Like Mm -hmm. um, and then that led to like meeting more people, you know, it kind of slowly grew my network, I guess you could say um, in that way. Yeah
0: okay cool yeah. so i i had this weird epiphany recently and as i've officially lived in canada longer than i've lived in bermuda it's but... weird
1: when you reach that point <laughs> isn't it when all of a sudden you're like oh wait a second
0: <laughs> yeah um but like this i still feel like a, a Burmese boy like i still feel this strong connection to home how do you Do you deal with that sort of same thing?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it helps now that I have, I now have like some cousins and stuff living in the UK. So Mm. that does help that I can get that family connection when I, you know, don't go home. And I've also met other Bermudians that are based over here, you know, over the years. But I think that, like, I guess at first I would say That it's a bit isolating you know because you're like you're from somewhere so different so small you know um, and you know you can feel a bit overwhelmed when you're in like a bigger country or in like a big city right but I think like with time I got to realize like that we are really unique as Bermudians and we bring something really unique to like anything like any conversation any like approach to doing things you know we've got this like different way of seeing the world and doing things and I think that's really valuable so I guess I've kind of come to embrace like what it is to be a Bermudian outside of Bermuda (laughs) I guess that's a way I could say it like um and at this stage in my life I don't feel the need to like try and explain myself or try and get people to understand like Oh, but you're you. You don't sound like you're from the islands, or you don't sound, you know, like you know all that stuff that you kind of deal with.
0: Absolutely, and
1: my accent has a kind of a mixture of Bermuda and and Canada because I spent time in Canada when I was quite young. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think like it's interesting. I think the older I get, the more I feel like a need to kind of keep connected to my roots in Bermuda in a way that I think when I was younger I didn't appreciate because I was just like really in the space of going out and exploring what was possible outside of Bermuda Mm -hmm. whereas when you're older you kind of appreciate more about what Bermuda is and how how it affects the people that grew up there and you know the qualities and the values that it instills in you I think
0: no, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's like you're you're seeking back or looking back to see what informed you as a yeah uh, totally. person. Uh, it's um, like I remember that angst of wanting to leave, and um, yeah, I find I'm I'm reaching back a lot more now, and I I kind of feel like being Bermudian is a superpower sometimes because <laughs> of like I kind of agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 go go ahead.
1: You have to be really resourceful in Bermuda. Mm -hmm. Like, I think people think because it's small that it's going to be like parochial and quite like, you know, like (laughs) bumpkin-esque, but it's not. (laughs) You've got to really have, you know, it's tiny, it's in the middle of it. We're buffered by all kinds of weather and like, you know, but we're also like tied up with like, you know, international business and commerce, like all these things happening there kind of have to be a bit with it you know as well um so it's got like that more kind of chilled vibe but it's also got that like kind of you know strategic at the center of the world like quite like <laughs> interesting vibe and then I think as well there's that um real sense of like community and family which uh-huh. is always underpinning everything and is really important and I think that instills a certain way of how you deal with people and how you uh, approach people. And I didn't realize that until I started to do work, not just in the UK, but like further afield. Like like I did some work that took me to um, parts of South and Central Asia. I did work off and on for about six years in Afghanistan um, as part of like things to um, support like post-conflict and conflict related, like, you know, artistic practices and creative economy and all that kind of stuff. And I think that it was when I was doing that kind of work that I really found that like, you know, the kind of the core of me that was Bermudian really came to the fore and allowed me to kind of really connect and engage with people.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. it's i think partially well you you kind of mentioned it but it's like we have so many different cultural influences coming at us uh the uk the us canada caribbean it's um
1: yeah
0: and then growing up on american and canadian tv probably yeah <laughs> uh so um interesting uh I'm wondering, what do you um, you you seem to have? I don't see it as much in your work, but I could be wrong about that. But you seem to be really interested in social justice, and, and hearing what you said about Afghanistan just now kind of made me think about that. Like, how yeah. do you feel that um, impacts you as a creative?
1: It, in a couple of ways, but I think. I think obviously the teaching side has supported that element of it, but I think at the heart of it, it's about um, kind of access to opportunity and like kind of to some extent equality. And I think that um, a lot of the work that I've done more widely initially was about opening up like, you know, jewelry and the potential of jewelry to like wider kind of communities and wider individuals. Just because I, I find like jewelry is really special because it bridges so many different types of ways to work. Mm. Um, and a lot of people see it as quite like um, impenetrable and they see it as something that's like, um, you know, quite hard to get into and quite elitist. But actually, it's not. I mean, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Like, you know, jewelry is so old and it's being, it's been like something that people have made and worn for such a long time, like all different kinds of communities. It's not just the preserve of like one particular like well-off group of people, you know, or people who have access to like the latest technology or the most expensive materials. And so for me, as I as my ideas around what jewelry was and, and how it could be made and the approaches to making it, designing it or crafting it. Kind of became broadened it really emphasized to me that accessibility not just for like those of those on the side of making it and being engaged in producing it but also in terms of how people buy jewelry and what they want to wear and like you know and so part of my work has been kind of in a way democratizing elements of that process so You know, making custom pieces or bespoke pieces more widely available, not something that's only like top level, um, but also like, you know, taking the opportunity to work with communities to rebuild like, you know, really historic kind of links to like those traditions that have been, um, you know, I guess, uh, disrupted or kind of stymied by like, you know, political situations or war or whatever. And then from that, um, and I also, I didn't see a lot of, I didn't see a lot of kind of diversity within certain aspects of jewelry, like mm. within the UK. And, and that, and I really wanted to try and like challenge that. Like what, why was that happening? Why weren't more people coming to the fore? What was it, what was stopping them? Was it like, was it that they weren't interested, or was it that they didn't feel that they were welcomed in that space? So I right. think that's what kind of started it. And then as I got more involved in the industry and as I gained more kind of experience, then I was in a position to like start having those conversations with, um, you know, bodies and groups and industries and kind of higher educational establishments about what we can do. To change that and some of it is about how people get roots in to studying it or to like learning about it who finds out about you know working in jewelry and what the possibilities are but also in a way um challenging like who's championed as successful and the types of successes that are championed so that people can like identify and see like examples of like roots through, um, and it like for example, like you know, you could you can in jewelry like have your completely own brand, right? And like you know, in fine jewelry, or you could work in jewelry and be more of, of an artistic practice, or you can like work you know um, in a very specific aspect of jewelry, like for someone else, or you can you know so many different options within it, basically. Mm-hmm. And um and I, I, I kind of want as much as I can to like let people know what's possible in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. and
1: then, yeah, and that ties into social justice because you know it ties into so many other elements of a society where people don't feel like they have a chance to, you know, be involved or engaged. So I think that's just when I looked at what was happening, I mean it's something that I had been working on anyway. But when opportunities started opening up, like last year, to have more um, kind of explicit discussions about it, um, I thought about where I could be most impactful, and that was in where my expertise lies, which is within kind of higher education in terms of like applied arts and within the jewelry industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Cool. And uh, helping with that visibility, you got you got featured in Vogue
1: yeah (laughs) that was pretty crazy
0: (laughs) so like like how do do you are you getting like random people hitting you up like saying they appreciate your story or anything like that
1: yeah I mean it's been a real mixture it's been kind of a bit crazy because you know when you're just working on your practice and like just doing it and then like all of a sudden you have like a really increased like uh engagement, <laughs> like yeah. all of a sudden coming at you. It's a bit intense, especially at that time, because it was like, you know, it was a challenging, lots of stuff was happening, wider stuff was happening. It was a challenging time. It was a, it was a, you know, a time where a lot of us were grieving. Yeah. Um, you know, there was stuff that had been happening for years that we knew, but that wasn't really as like more widely discussed. Um, and yeah, that was, that was, that was, it was an intense period of time. And it it kind of, in a way reminded me of some of the experiences and some of the stuff that I had had when I was doing work in Afghanistan and like, you know, at some point it was like a hot topic and everybody knew about about what was going on and what was happening, but then at other points it wasn't. And like, just because it wasn't in the media doesn't mean stuff wasn't happening because I was connected in with those communities, I knew what the realities were on the ground, but like not everybody cared about it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So I identified to some extent with, well, I saw patterns to some extent um, that were similar with that, that what was happening with kind of, um, kind of black and minority and indigenous communities in different places in terms of their experiences why more widely in society but also in regards to with the police and with authority and all that you know all that stuff yeah. so yeah it was it, it to me i think it was i'm not saying uh, i think lots of people felt things different ways but i felt it very keenly because of some of the experiences i had in mm. south asia
0: right yeah. yeah okay did you so i in and i'm in halifax in in canada and
1: yeah, I've been to Halifax per-
0: before. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: months ago, but
0: yeah. <laughs> nice, so you, you you're familiar. Um yeah. there is this interesting relationship with the conversation of race and stuff like that that sort of happens here. Like Canada often frames itself as the place that American slave slavery um or uh people who were enslaved escaped to from America. Uh Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't like to necessarily address where they they fall short or that slavery existed here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So those conversations are, are often uncomfortable. And last year was the first time I really noticed people actually being okay with having those conversations. Uh, so have you found that in the UK too?
1: Yeah. I think... Um, are you there? I thought it looked like it cut out for a little while, but I'm
0: Oh, sure I'm there. still here. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Um yeah, I think that I mean the UK is difficult because in a way it's like, you know, everybody knows that it was implicit in like transatlantic slavery. Like that's mm-hmm. not a, you know, that's not news to anybody. Yeah. But I think because of more recent history, um, in the in the US I think that in a way like England gets to kind of in a way keep under the radar about elements of what's going on like yeah in society in terms of race and it's kind of like oh we don't really have you know we don't have an issue and obviously because they were part there was also efforts here to do with abolition and everything I think like they like to highlight like that and they like to highlight the positive aspects or the positive things about um about like you know stories stories of um kind of black excellence or success and not focus on the like kind of long-lasting kind of entrenched like systemic institutional racism that's here Mm -hmm. so i think that i mean and there are also incidences as well like that are more like kind of you know on the on the kind of keen side in terms of interactions with with individuals and and, and kind of uh race based violence and stuff like that but i think also there's a lot of like a lot of uh problems that, like in terms of institutions here in terms of like who's in positions of power who has agency who's supported like all of that stuff that maybe is not the same as like kind of being worried if you're going to be shot but it's still deeply impactful for people's lives right um so i think like that's that's a thing that's been um a real move it and people have moved behind recently is to like really look at the systems in place and the approaches and not just like not just where it is definitely or perhaps like you know intentionally like discriminatory or whatever but where systems are set up and they don't realize that their practices are exclusionary just by the nature of how they are have been developed do Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so it's really about like getting into those conversations to be like well what what part or what aspects of your process or your institution or your you know, programs or whatever are excluding these individuals. Like how can we look at where change needs to happen so that you open up more to a more diverse, like, you know, um, an equal um, kind of offering for individuals in terms of all aspects of their life, but in particular, in terms of um, success for, you know, professional practices careers like you know artistic practices craft practices you know all those kinds of things yeah um there's definitely like in a way like various types of glass ceilings i think um, <laughs> in that sense Absolutely.
0: yeah agreed uh, it's been similar here too um so getting back to you Uh, the creative side so what challenges would you say you face like what's your biggest challenge in your in your pursuit
1: um I think the biggest that I think the biggest challenge is managing time and managing all the different aspects that it takes to not just have a creative practice or jewelry practice but also business like there's so much other stuff involved in like kind of supporting the practice with the business, you know, and, um, and that can get kind of all encompassing and can take up a lot of your kind of time and energy. And I think that it, the challenge can be safeguarding time within that, all of that to be able to like give yourself the space to be able to do the work, to move your practice forward. So you don't kind of, stagnate whereas you're you're being creative and you're doing stuff, but you're not really moving anywhere, if you know what yeah. I mean.
0: Yep. Um
1: yep. so I think that's a big challenge. Um uh I think yeah I think that's that's a challenge for anybody who's having to like in a way manage the different aspects that allow you to <laughs> to keep your practice going. But obviously you have to generate income and you have to be able to generate enough income to be able to have some to help you to launch forward at various points and reinvest in your not just in your business but in actually your artistic and creative practice yeah. that's a hard one
0: yeah do you find uh yeah. social media is hard in that sense or is that not really a challenge for you
1: it takes some getting used to. I think it's difficult. I mean, and there's lots of different ways to approach it. Like everyone has their ideas. Some people are like, you need to have a separate thing just for that. Other people integrate it with their personal stuff. Um, I integrate mine with my personal because I find a lot of people are interested in me as part of that process. Like they're not. They're interested in the jewelry, but they're also interested in me as a person who's the person behind that. Who's like the the mind and the creator behind those pieces and they like having an insight into that world um, and I think one of the things that I think it's good about social media is that it has democratized who has access to what audiences I mean early when I first started it wasn't really social media was kind of very fledgling and you know you really felt this pressure to like try and get money into advertising to get people to know about you and that was hard because, you know, it was expensive and you needed to do it consistently to get any kind of positive engagement. And like when you're starting out, you don't have the funds for that really, right? Yeah. So as, as much as social media can be like a time vampire and could be difficult to uh, structure and control around how you communicate around it, I think if you can manage to like kind of Get a system in place and, a, and an approach to how you interact and engage with people on social media i think it can democratize a lot of ways that you can access your audience and communicate with people keep people up to date with what's what's happening with you and your practice where your work's going new pieces you know new initiatives like i i find it's a really great window like you know in a way it's like kind of like a shop front but it's virtual yeah uh-huh.
0: So uh, what's uh, one piece of advice you would give any uh, artist that was looking to pursue a career?
1: I think the main thing would be to stick with it. I think like most people I know that have any kind of artistic or creative practice, there's like ups and downs, right? Um, There's times where you might have to do other work to support your practice you might have to do other work whether it's in your field or even like outside of your field I mean I have waitressed, I have done code check I've done like I've done all kinds of things <laughs> right. you know to keep the money coming in so that I can kind of protect and support the practice but one of the things I always did is even though I was doing that work I always was keeping my hand in and 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 creating continuing to create and to make, even if it wasn't necessarily like, you know, super amazing pieces that I wanted to be showcasing, I was still doing the work and doing the process. And I think that's really important. I think, like, even if you have to like concertina or like reduce elements of it or then open back up when you can, like, I think you, it's just like a thread that you have to, you have to, you can't like shelve it. You just gotta keep that little ember <laughs> glowing I, somewhere I, somehow
0: yeah yeah I, yeah definitely get that i <laughs> um I, I i always imagine like you know I, I don't ever think there will ever be a situation where i would just get a, you know i'd say a job where i made uh, you know tons of money and didn't need to do art stuff on the side or whatever yeah. i would always I just have to have to keep it yeah. going it doesn't matter um
1: yeah i think that's so important and i think there's like obviously there's lots of other advice that's really helpful or really useful but i think that that is the core because you've got to have that it's 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 a it's, a, it's like a combination of like the stamina and the passion and the like heart. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just you gotta you gotta stay with it. Um, and there'll be times where you're like, "Why am I doing this?" Like, I don't have any money, or I, oh, uh, you know, all this stuff, or like, I you, or even if you feel unconfident about your work sometimes because it's not where you want it to be, but mm-hmm. you still gotta you gotta stay in this space. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm trash. I just stayed longer than other people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's been times where I've just been like, I remember I had this thing where I was like a big showcase and I just wasn't happy with the stuff at the time. I, in, I was so close to it. I couldn't, I didn't have any perspective. People were like really excited, they were like, Oh, I'm really excited! Like, I'm gonna come see your stuff. I'm like, Don't come see it, it's rubbish. (laughs) But it wasn't actually rubbish, I just you know, you're in that space where you don't have any sense of perspective.
0: I know, I know that feeling very well. I know that very well. (laughs) Uh, so what's next for you? Is there something you want to promote?
1: Well, I don't, okay. I don't know about promoting. I mean, something that's really interesting that I'm doing now is, well, I'm doing a lot of restructuring of like kind of refocusing, restructuring of what I want to do in terms of like the kind of jewelry I'm making. So, you know, over time I've kind of, the range of what I do has kind of broadened. And now I'm looking at like where I really want to focus my kind of practice and where almost like streamlining in a sense. Mm. and i'm coming back to some of the bigger sculptural pieces that i did like you know kind of 11 12 years ago uh when i was doing my kind of um my degree but then i didn't really get to push further because i didn't really have access to like a place to show that, that kind of work you know mm. so i i kind of in a way pulled in a little bit and kind of um I don't want to say like dulled my dreams, but you know what I mean? I kind of like kind of made it smaller a little bit, like what I was trying to do. And now I'm kind of coming back to it. and like opening that up again and pushing myself again. So that's kind of exciting. I'm looking to doing some new work in that area. Um, I'm also in the process of, I took down my website towards the end of last year. It was a quite old website. And I took it down because I knew if I took it down, it would mean that I would finally get my new one up that had been like, I'd been working on in the background (laughs) for ages, but I just felt like if I took it down, it would make me like, actually, you know? So um, that's gonna have like uh, an e-commerce platform as part of it. It's gonna have um, blog element as part of it. Um, So I'm kind of reframing, you know, how people can access me, how they can find out more about what I'm doing um, in kind of streamlining that into to like a new website. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but in the interim, I mean, I think most people find out get in touch with me um, kind of via Instagram or via email, like by looking at stuff on Instagram. Uh, if people contact me by email, I can always like send images of like, you know, work that might be suitable. Mm-hmm. um so i think that's kind of like that's kind of where i am i have some pretty exciting stuff coming up like later this year but it's like i can't really talk about it because it's still like in development <laughs> so, no, good. Yeah. um but that's more of a like watch this space kind of thing like september time october time is going to be some pretty exciting stuff happening so you might want to like revert back <laughs> and check <Okay>. in <laughs> <But> that, <laughs> anybody who's listening all
0: right um, nice nice so um yeah so how actually what is your website if (laughs) for when it's ready
1: (laughs) yeah so it's www.melanieeddy.co.uk that's my website and you can find me on instagram at mne underscore eddy that's my handle on instagram
0: All right, Melanie. thank you for, uh, doing Art Pays Me. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for having me, Dwayne. That was, I mean, I was just so excited to first of all, find out about you and your work as a fellow Bermudian. Um, and then to get asked to come and talk to you on this, I was like, yes, I sign me up.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and I, I I keep saying I got to get more Bermudians on and when. uh, I saw you. I was like, yes, got it. There she, mentally she, Melanie? I gotta get Melanie. Can't, remember, can't forget. Can't forget. Can't forget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was, and you can't forget
1: as well. I have the merch, so I have your merch that I that I flexed here in the UK. <laughs>
0: That's right, too. Yes, I appreciate that. Yes,
1: <laughs> it's definitely, you know, got some admirers over here. So,
0: well, I appreciate that. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langey Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.